So, um, oh god, my back. I don't even know why my back hurts so much. Um, but, um, this is chapter 8 of Ariel. Um, this particular chapter has a really good picture of Harry in the, like, thumbnail. And I wish I could, like, put it on the podcast. It's beautiful. Anyways, um, so, I had something to say. I've been stuttering a lot lately, which is just something that happens when I, like, speak too much in one day. It's like my brain runs out of, like, brain power, so I just start, like, stuttering. But, um, most of the times I just record the paragraph all over again, but sometimes I just keep it in because it's, like, if I pre like if i record like re-recorded see i just stuttered if i re-recorded everything when i mess up i would just never finish so if you catch my little mistakes and also like sometimes i breathe into the microphone which is so annoying and like i swallow into it i know that sounds kind of gross so i try to keep it as far from my mouth as possible while it's still being in a range where you can hear me i'm still trying to figure that out you know, this is not professional, so. Anyways, enough rambling. Here we go. Move. What started as yours and Harry's arms accidentally brushing against each other while you both hover over the tiny dressing room bathroom sink is beginning to slowly escalate into war. Foamy white bubbles are seeping out of the corners of Harry's mouth as he brushes his teeth. His fingers curled around his toothbrush as he raises his eyebrows at your soft command. He's trying his best to take the edge off of his nerves before your first performance, but the orchestral fanfare echoing down the hallway from the circus ring is only making his heart pound louder each passing second. Harry hasn't said a word for several minutes, and it's not only because his mouth is occupied. You are quite certain that you heard a soft retching noise while he was locked in the bathroom with the shower water running. But when you knocked on the door to ask if he was okay, his response was simply a grunt followed by the sound of the bar of soap hitting the laminate flooring. You checked it up to pre-show jitters and tried your best to wipe the scene you saw from the evening before from your mind. Accidentally poking your eye with the wand of your mascara and yelping into the mirror when several tiny black lines smeared across your perfectly made up cheek. The last thing that Harry said to you was in that moment from behind that bathroom door when he muttered a soft, smooth as ever, Clyde, correctly knowing that you had most likely blundered in some way. Now he insists on hogging both the sink and the mirror, the reflection of him in his performance attire much too spectacular to ignore. His costume is complimentary and understated compared to yours, but he somehow manages to upstage you by a landslide. A sheer flamingo pink tank top that molds to every devil of muscle and bone into his torso. His clavicles pressing against the straps and the arc of sparrow wings peeking from the low dipping neckline. His cross necklace is slung back from his shoulder blades and tucked into the fabric of his top. The four points of the charm making an appearance as they push against the stretchy material. All of his tattoos are visible, albeit muted. The dark ink of the comedy and tragedy theater mask piking your curiosity and drawing your attention just below his underarm. The tank top is seamlessly tucked into a pair of extra white high-waisted spandex pants, 
his toned thighs and legs gripping every inch of fiber all the way down to his ankles. A golden sequined belt cinches tightly around his waist, drawing your skittish gaze directly to his center each time a glint of blonde light flickers into your peripheral vision. His feet are bare and his toes curl up against the tile flooring because it's proved to be how he's more, most comfortable. But you know that when the time comes, he will perform in a pair of white soft-soled dance slippers because that is how we practiced in dress rehearsal yesterday afternoon. Harry's arm bumps against yours again when he tilts his head and shuffles closer for a better look at his face in the mirror, his expression pinching into a frown when you wordlessly nudge him back. This time, he uses his hand to push you away gently, but you don't hesitate to return the action, your hip joining the movement for a little extra force. He checks you back and the two of you struggle against one another with soft elbow jabs and hip wags until he enforces his strength and shoves you out of the way to step completely in front of the mirror. Now your mouth is filled with warm, frothy toothpaste and you have nowhere to spit it out. Your voice is muffled when you try to speak without accidentally dribbling on yourself. Harry, you're a child. Move. He remains oblivious and uncaring towards your predicament when he spits into the sink and turns the tap on to cup his hands and fill it with water. Your emotions become desperate when you lift your leg and kick the flawless peach of his butt. Harry rises immediately and deliberately as he glares at you in the mirror, his face straight and neutral except for the lift of his eyebrows as if silently daring you to a challenge. He spins on his heel quickly and you throw your hands out in front of your face in defense, his fingers wrapping around both of your wrists to hold you in place as he begins to slowly lower his wet, soggy toothbrush towards your nose. No! You can't stop the giggles brewing in your throat and threatening to pop your toothbrush from your mouth. No, no, no! Harry decides to finally speak and lands on, and I just barf too. You vacuum your lips tight and squeal in the back of your throat, buried laughter burning in your lungs as you try to wiggle from his grasp. He's unrelenting though, so you're left with the only option of swinging your foot at his crotch, which he quickly dodges with a swift jump backwards. You run from the bathroom, but Harry's hot on your heels with his toothbrush extended towards you. Your quick instance of bickering brought you to a snapping halt when he returns your motion and kicks your butt, the small sequined skirt wrapped around your waist getting tangled around his toes and pulled to your knees. One loose, hand-sewn golden bead from your costume pops off and rolls across the floor, and you groan with your mouth clamped shut to keep from spitting. Harry clamps his hand over his gaping mouth and transparent culpability, the first of its kind in your experience, and in that moment, the technical director raps on your door and announces to the wooden barrier, 30 minutes, Marvels! Harry moves his hands away just long enough to squeak out, groovy, before returning his palm to its guilty position as he watches your facial expression lose its humor and slip into a pout. The vapor pressure of an apology bubbles in the warm teapot of his stomach, but never reaches a boiling point. Instead, he places his hands on his hips and shrugs. I'd help you, but then I'd have to touch you. You narrow your eyes at him and scrunch your nose, repeating his statement in a childish mocking sneer as you kick your skirt off into the air to catch it in your hand. The heated scent of cherry pie licked flames and lingering cotton candy swirled through the tense space of your dressing room as you pad to the bathroom to finally rinse your mouth in what feels like an eternity. Thanks for nothing, warm. Harry busies himself with swiping your candle from the vanity to light his cigarette, catching you pacing from the bathroom in a form-fitting bodysuit and tights before disappearing behind the screen. 
Typically, you'd opt to change your fuss with your clothing in the bathroom ever since Harry barged in and saw your bare tits. But you're much too flustered to worry about where or how you fix your damaged costume 30 minutes before curtain call of your first performance. It's been real, but I'm gonna go wait outside. You sink to your knees and shuffle through your sewing kit, sucking a piece of thread into your mouth before maneuvering it through the eye of the needle. Don't go too far. I want to practice the gazelle hold once before we... Fuck's sake. Give it a rest, Clyde. I'm not gonna fucking drop you. I'll be right outside. With the click of the door and the remaining vacuum of silence, you're reminded once again of the focusing discovery in the circus ring yesterday evening. Several hours later than what your typical practice runs, Harry called it quits around 8 or 9 in the evening, claiming the rest was more important than reaching an imaginary level of perfection that the both of you seem to constantly be striving for. He left your dressing room while you were still applying your makeup, turning back as if he wanted to say one last thing, but instead he wrapped his knuckles on the doorframe twice before dropping his focus to the floor and stepping from the room. You were surprised to find Tex on your way out, looking lost as if his ring later were nowhere to be found. He'd asked if you'd seen Harry, and when you glanced at your watch, the number only led to more confusion. He disappeared nearly an hour before, and you were under the impression he was on his way to unwind with a round of pool before heading to bed. But it had become clear that he didn't want anyone to know about his whereabouts. You had hardly considered him a private person, save for the single hour a day that he retreats during lunch. But Texas bewilderment began to stroke the fiery truth that you weren't the only person who Harry had a habit of keeping secrets from. He left with a shrug, but you stayed behind in the dim lighting of the quiet hallway, studying a splotch of uncharacteristically chipped paint in the wall before you allowed your intuition to lead you on a secret journey towards the performance space. The theater looked eerie at night, dead and dark, the complete and utter opposite of how it feels at its dynamic climax, with thousands of vacant seats and motionless equipment. No humans, animals, glitter, or neon lights in sight. And rather than seeing a room full of ghosts and shadows, you were shocked speechless at the vision of a single figure hunched over in the very center of the room. Your eyes were drawn to him as if his muscles were filled with magnets, and your gaze were a hunk of raw gold, a non-existent spotlight illuminating the shadows of his profile in his hands as he sat with his knees pulled into his chest and his skateboard tucked into his body. His vision cast towards the ground and his energy as hushed as the enormous room swallowing him. You tiptoed backwards and remained at a hover in the doorway as you observed him, knowing that he must have retired there after his parting and chose to be alone with his mysterious contemplation. His back slowly rose and fell with breath as if his heart was stuffed with coagulated blood and slowing the muscle to a pause, his body melting into limp lifelessness. The fact that he wasn't admiring the space or taking in very much of his surroundings felt a bit alarming and gloomy, as if he were more focused on the past than he was on the present or the future. Hundreds of questions bubbled up and have remained ever since, but you had the wherewithal to keep them forced down until after your important debut together. Knowing that he hates prying of any kind and that it wasn't astute to bombard someone who was already spending their free time bombarding themselves. Mostly, you wanted to know what it was that he keeps so close to his heart that he doesn't want other people to see. But the more you get to know tiny slivers of him, the more it seemed that time would be your only accomplice. 
With your costume repaired and your makeup and every hair in place, you gather your dance slippers and set out in search of your trapeze partner. You can't pinpoint exactly why he's hesitant on a final last-minute practice, but you hope with enough padding and begging he will give in to your pre-stage anxieties, even if it is just to shut you up. He's not outside of your dressing room as he'd promised he would be, and now the slipping of time is making you even more anxious than you were with a trembly sewing needle weaving its way through a single golden bead. You glance down the hallway in either direction before following the warmth of the chiming orchestra, weaving your way through various performers sighing in relief upon their exit from the stage and pulling bobby pins from their tight buns. Harry! You lower your voice to a mumble and direct your request more towards yourself than anyone else. We're on in 20 minutes and I really need to practice one more time. From beyond the curtain, the wail of horns and the thunder of drums clash violently with the sound of not one, but a couple different alien female giggles. Your heart starts pounding with a sickening thud that you can only attribute to nervousness as you round a final corner. Harry? You screech to a halt when you find him leaning an elbow on the barricade and flirting with two girls who are eating massive puffs of pink cotton candy, your eyes narrowing in anger at his flippant dismissal of imminent responsibilities. The man who teased you with his toothbrush just a minute ago is long gone, presently replaced by the extremely frustrating version of Harry, who seems to use female attention as an escape from whatever gallant demons force him to retreat on his own to sulk in the darkness of barren theaters. The juxtaposition of the smallness of his body in comparison to the screaming enormity of the arena will never stop haunting you, at least until he's coughed up an answer that you deem feasible enough to let your mind rest, for the time being. You stomp over and cross your arms over your chest with your toes tapping the ground, but he doesn't notice as he feeds one of them a big pinch of fluffy sugar, humming in delight when she sucks on the tip of his finger. You clear your throat and he either doesn't hear you or chooses to ignore you. So you decide to talk to the charade of lust and dizzy giggles. Hey, Harry, I've just gone off the phone with your physician. He says your gonorrhea results came back positive. It suddenly seems as if he can hear you when he spins his heel and paces a too small step towards you, clapping a hand over your mouth which you peel away in order to speak one more insult out. They also said that anal discharge is not... <laughs> Sorry, 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 I need a moment. Okay, fuck. Let me read that again. It suddenly seems as if he can hear you when he spins on his heel and paces a too small step towards you, clapping a hand over your mouth which you peel away in order to speak one more insult out. They also said the anal discharge is normal. <laughs> your sentence is cut short when he hushes you loudly and flashes a bright grin to the group of girls who are now scowling and backing away slowly. Ha! She's joking. He clears his throat and coughs awkwardly. I don't have... Um, excuse me a minute. He stares daggers into your skin and searches for a private space before dragging you away with a large, sticky hand clinging to your face and making it hard to draw a full breath. He pulls you around the corner towards the loud backstage entrance and growls in anger, his contrived sense of charm dropping as soon as he checks the scene to make sure you're alone. You pry his fingers away from your face before tossing his arm away. Don't touch me. Could you get your brain out of your crotch for two seconds? We're on soon and we have to sharpen that hole that we're a bit shaky on before we get up there. Jesus. We practiced it a hundred times last night and this morning. You're just paranoid. 
We're not shaking, and I'm not going to fucking drop you. He gestures towards where he, w- where he was wasting time shooting this shit with burners. Why did you say all that shit? You roll your eyes at the notion of him placing more importance on his sex life than his career and spin on the ball of your foot to walk away from him. But he grabs your hand and pulls you back. You slip your arm away and push your shoulder in annoyance. His eyes honing in on you as he squints in suspicion. Are you jealous? Your arm stinks where his hand just was, and it's almost unbearable for him to touch you as much as he does. But you don't have another choice if you want to maintain your lead role in the aerial precision of the circus. Women don't typically get opportunities like this, and they have even less command over their choices once their role has been awarded. They're just supposed to stay quiet, be thankful, and let men dictate their fates. Any woman who has too much or too little to say will be silenced by a swift relinquishing with zero explanation. Both Harry and historical parents have made it clear that women like you are replaceable, disposable, just like the fallen dominoes of your dropped prospects to the top ballet communities in the country. You've yet to figure out exactly why Harry dislikes you so much, but your only logical conclusion is because of your big mouth, your shameless opinions, and your intolerance to rudeness. It would bother you a lot more if the sentiment wasn't so deeply shared. Yup, you've got me. I'm drowning in jealousy. It's just festering, eating me alive. When, oh when, will it be my turn to be on a round of antibiotics to make my peace stop burning? He can't remember the last time he's despised someone so much. He wishes he could smack the sneer from your face and the sarcastic tone from your voice. He chews a piece of citrusy gum slowly, his jaw popping as he cracks an air bubble between his molars. His eyebrows raise in indignation as his forefinger and thumb swipe the outside of his mouth. Get laid, Clyde. Get bent, Harry. A waxen pastel bubble inflates past his lips before exploding, and you can see a tender and almost imperceptible shift loosen the muscles in his face. Listen, you're nervous. Let's do it once more and then I need to pace around and do flips off the wall and shit. Come on. Your breathing is heavy, but it's not doing much to calm the frazzled end of your nerves. It's really easy to feel like you can completely lose yourself in the blood-curdling anticipation before a performance. The final minute and then absolute torturous cluster of seconds before the music you've rehearsed to countless times flows through the orchestra. You clench your jaw shut and direct your airflow in and out of your nose. The sound echoing in your eardrums as time slows to a near halt. Your eyes are pinched shut, but it's not necessary for darkness or silence. The theater surrounding every side of you is dimmed and the audience is hushed with a bated breath, knowing that the climatic portion of the circus is at their fingertips and the tip of their tongues. The pressure you put on yourself far surmounts any that a single person in this room could suppress you with, including your trapeze partner to your right. You have no idea what he looks like right now because you're much too busy watching psychedelic patterns undulate before, before your eyelids. But considering the way he was literally running up the wall and doing backflips back a mere four minutes ago, you imagine he's just as riveted. Your arm tangles with the soft sweep of his fingertips, followed by dusty chalked hands wrapped in tape fumbling with yours through the mur- murkiness of the large room. Harry's fingers slip through yours and pause just before squeezing hard. His need for closeness and stability in this moment seeming to dip much further than a bit of good luck or a final push of morale. When his thumb brushes the back of your hand, you finally tear your eyes open to focus on his faint features. 
the corner of his mouth pulling into the very hint of a taut smile, just as the guitar from the orchestra plucks a few chords of California Dreaming and the crowd is pulled into submission. When the spotlight in the rafters illuminate yours and Harry's figures, your vision takes a profound shift as everything directly in front of you becomes visible and the audience completely disappears. They burst into applause and hollers at the sight of Harry, their long-awaited hero standing before them in the flesh, and you know that you have approximately three seconds to kill. So you sneak a glance into his direction for a taste of what the rest of the world actually sees. His chest rises with a single proud breath, and his eyes reflect the light and love from every corner of the room. He's unable to shrink the smile that grows on his face from the level of adoration that saturates every trembling pore, and it's in that moment that his skin visibly sheds like a molting snake. The fragile house of cards around him crumbles, his heavy velvet, velvet curtains drop, the painful fires that torch the skin and his ego are extinguished, and his gaze moves from one side of the theater to the other as he bathes in the warm waters of admiration. He is relieved, he is revealed, he is high, he is home. Right on cue, the audience recesses and allows you to continue with your performance, the two of you making your way over to a vertical rope that hangs from ceiling to floor. Harry nods once and stands close to spot you as you climb as high as possible, using the nods to guide you as you make your way above the crowd. You signal to him that you're secured and he begins to spin you, around and around, your bearings divinantly numbed when your solo static routine flows from your fingertips to the tip of your toes. The pounding of onlookers' hearts spurs you on, the long lines of your body fluidly moving through various poses that you've practiced into the ground for months now. Based on the counts of the music, you know that Harry must be climbing the rope ladder across the ring, pulling himself into position on his flybar to flawlessly execute his solo routine in unison with yours. You would have done almost anything for more than 30 seconds with pure limelight, but Rusty would never allow it, claiming that the main draw of the flushing of ticket sales was more than 50% Harry, and that he was uninterested in diminishing his publicity for the sake of the success of the circus. Small gasps and giggles of enjoyment echo through the seats, the both of you curling and twisting and swaying and stretching and dancing to the music that you've come to know so well. You can't see Harry, but you trust that he's drowning in achievement and most likely surpassing anything he showed you in rehearsals thus far. Your solo routines draw to a close along with the song, the tempo of the music picking up to a fast-paced rock and roll as Harry assumes his catching position across the fly bar. One of the performers on the ground swings your rope towards the platform to aid you in transition into the next segment, the portion of the performance that makes your stomach flip and your heart pound, the giant trapeze. Harry claps twice to relay his readiness and you're off without a hitch, pumping your legs as hard as possible before releasing into tumbles and twists that Harry catches with ease before returning you back to your bar on each trick. He's incredibly professional and makes sure to focus on your eyes when you're in the air and when he's holding you. The two of you falling into a pit of physical closeness, closeness that most people don't even achieve with their best friends over years of acquaintance. Your mind is completely absorbed by your body through little anxious snippets to break through. Nettie in the crown with her boyfriend, children agape clutching their toys or their parents' hands, trained dogs running in circles around the ring and through the audience, Men selling cigarettes and peanuts in the aisles, the heat of spotlights on you and the sweat that prickles on your hairline. 
the juxtaposition of Harry and a spicy, fiery cinnamon and you as refined, gooey sugar, spinning and flipping as the crowd stayed silent, aside from their heartbeats and moments of exhales and gasps. The music changing one final time gives you just enough space to take several deep breaths on the platform, knowing that the last portion of your routine is also what makes you most nervous. The part that Harry promised would go off without a hitch, but still gave in and pandered to your insecurities, holding you upside down in a calm and deadlocked fist in the practice room just moments before you stood in the center of the ring and he took it upon himself to weed your fists together. Your hand still tingles at the thought and you shake your head to, ri to rid yourself of the memory, not wanting to be distracted by the bottomless fountain of whiplash that Harry seems to be a part of on a day-to-day -day basis. Two claps filled through the air and snuff in your eardrums, your stomach filling with butterflies as you jump and swing to Harry. He catches you, but instead of returning you, he holds onto your wrist tightly to prepare you for your dual static routine. The segment that most of the world has never seen before, where Harry effortlessly supports you in a sparkling aerial ballet performance, his hand locking around your wrist and ankles as he dangles upside down, tossing you in circles and guiding you through graceful, delicate beauty. He is the sugar cookie in the shape of a star and you are the toothsome frosting, making its glittery mark and filling in all the delicious gasps. I mean gaps, sorry, to paint a cohesive picture. Neither one of you would be as ambrosial without the other. Your limbs and muscles are pulled, long, and stretched to capacity as the two of you work to give off the impression of fluency, expertise, and poise, even though you are both burning from the inside out. The kind of pain that comes along with dance and incredible stunts always seems to get lost in the shuffle. Yes, it hurts, and the pain never fully subsides. But the adrenaline from the crowd and the inner drive for impeccable accomplishment only turns the fire of your muscles into a desire for fulfillment. Yes, it hurts, and yes, you wouldn't trade it for anything else in the world. In rehearsals, it had been standard for eye contact to drift in and out as you focused on your choreography. But now as you hang in the vastness of space surrounded by thousands of onlookers, you are both finding solace and loyalty in each other's gazes. Harry looks truly beautiful with his hair swept to the side and framing his forehead, his eyes awake with emotion and his face relaxed as if communicating to you that you're okay. Your debut is almost finished and you've made less than zero mistakes. He's got a firm grip of you and, you would, and he would never ever let you plummet. Your final hold of the evening comes when Harry swings you back and forth with your legs in a split, finally hoisting you up and over his shoulder to perch you in the nook of his underarm. Your world is suddenly righted as, as you find balance and finally put your hand away from the rope for a concluding pose. You realize that neither of you have broken eye contact for the entirety of the routine. Whether it be because he was reading your anxious cues or perhaps it's just how he prefers to perform, you feel an ache in your chest when he drags your gaze from him to connect with the audience. You both have an arm graced in finality, the roar of the, cloud, of the crowd painting your skin like raindrops as you catch your breath and allow yourself to be praised. The fly bar is lowered to the ground and Harry helps you down first before dismounting himself, both of you stepping forward with your arms raised before taking your final bow. It's clear by the way Harry's face relaxes and spreads open into a smile as cheers and applause wash over him. His eyelids lulling shut while he breathes in deeply and allows the vibrations of the room to saturate him with tinsel, that he is born a performer. The man beside you who you've tried desperately to understand thrives off of positive reinforcement and you've been giving him the exact opposite since the, se since the second you met. No wonder he hates you. 
You've never seen someone's demeanor shift in such a palpable way directly in front of your eyes. To see someone melt and relax and feel so completely comfortable in his own skin, and in a front of thousands of pairs of eyes, no less. This is his drug. This is what he's worked so hard for for the past couple of months. The sweat, the gripes, the tantrums. This present and all-encompassing moment has rushed vitality through his veins and the lights in the room have shed a brand new glow on Harry. One that you wish would never darken or dull. He deserves this. After you've retreated backstage with the thunderclap and lightning bolts of energy behind you, your whole body sparkling with the adrenaline rush of a successful first performance, Harry turns to you and hesitates at first before making a snap decision to speak. Are we having fun yet? You smile in response to his, to his cheeky question, and although he doesn't actually smile in return, you can see the corners of his mouth twitch and the flicker of amusement behind his eyes. Rusty Tex and a group of dancers approach you and Harry all at once, showering in compliments and hugs and kisses, effectively pulling the both of you apart for separate reflections of your achievement. You glance over your shoulder at Harry, finding him with his lips rolling to his mouth as he embraces Rusty, the message of his body language and facial expression not completely transparent. Nettie had waited patiently in the lobby for you to clean up after your performance, swinging an arm around your neck and swinging your paces loudly as ushers swept loose kernels of popcorn into dustpans. You stayed in your dressing room quietly, lacing your skates and blowing out your candles with the dull ring of music and cheering in your ears, enjoying your moment of peace before being swept away by your faithful friend for a round of milkshakes and french fries at your favorite diner. Nettie pushes open the exit door and follows you into the courtyard, where, the group, where a few groups of people still loiter about. How cool was that? I had no idea that you were basically a magician. I don't think I could even somersault like that if someone pushed me out of an airplane. Clyde, make yourself useful. Your head snaps away from Nettie to find Harry struggling with removing his leather jacket. One unlaced Oxford discarded by his pack of crushed cigarettes and his skateboard idol except for one spinning wheel. A group of his friends are overpowering him and lifting him into the air as he tries his best to fight for autonomy, but it's clear that he's losing the battle and that his perfectly styled quiff is about to be drenched when they hurl him into the giant fountain of the center plaza. A slice of his stomach appears as he fishes into his back pocket and pulls out his wallet, throwing it to you with the hope that you'll catch it and keep it safe while his friends toss him in what looks like a good-natured, victorious tradition. The warm black leather hits your palm at the same moment that his body splashes into the water, and when his possession flips open in your hand upon impact, your attention is drawn away from the ridiculous scene before you to even more focus in at the scene at your fingertips. You hear shouts and laughter when he resurfaces, but you're too much focused on the sight in your palm to tear your gaze away. You recognize the picture immediately, but the context of its placement makes no sense. Your head shot from a past playbill that you'd included in your resume that Harry said he never saw, trimmed down with scissors and stuffed into the clear plastic slot on top of his ident identification. You check and double check in your mind that this is in fact Harry's wallet. You watch them pull it out of his trousers and you've seen it laying around your dressing room several times. Your eyes in the photograph stare back at you in a barbaric disorientation as you pull your eyebrows into a frown and try to understand but he's apparently wedged a picture of you into his private space for safekeeping. All sounds dissolve when Harry pulls himself from the fountain with a breathtaking grin pulled across his face. 
his head flipping forward to shake out his hair before sweeping it from his face. His white t-shirt clings to every hollow depression and rigid muscle in his torso as his eyes lock on you and begin to slowly make his way over. You snap his wallet shut and his smile slips in an increment with each footstep closer as he notices your stiff body language. He comes to a stop in front of you and you simply spend a few burning seconds wildly searching each other's eyes, little droplets of water dropping from the tip of his nose and the end of his hair. Time is frozen and everyone around you has disintegrated as your stares catch and melt, darting left and right, your heart's about to beat out of your mouths. It feels like you have an enthralled audience of onlookers as Harrys tries to write a novel based solely on your expression, but you only seem to be focused on each other. Questions and insecurities choke the both of you into silent surrender, both of your white flags tattered and torn as they fly in the violent and altered winds around you. Text whistles and shouts a command of, Hound dogs! Loudly from behind Harry, breaking his concentration long enough to glance over his shoulder before looking back at you. You open your mouth to speak, but he slips the wallet from your hands and gives you a hard, unreadable expression before mumbling a fat, mumbling, mumbling a flat utterance of thanks. He backs up a couple steps before spinning on the ball of his foot to leave. The memory of your manicured headshot nestled safely in a flap of leather cloud, clouding every other landmark event that has occurred tonight. How fucking insane was that? I am literally in shock. I've read this about five times already, but I'm, I'm in shock. I'm like tearing up just thinking about how fucking good that was. That little slut. He has a picture of her in his wallet. Mr. No Feelings, Mr. Get the Fuck Away From Me, Mr. Clyde, Mr. Square, Mr. Get Laid. Has a picture of Clyde in his wallet. This man, he's confusing. He really is. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about him. Summary time. So the chapter starts off with them in the dressing room, kind of like having a toothpaste fight. Um, then he kind of like pushes her and pops open one of her buttons. So he's like, um, I would help you, but I kind of hate you. So I'm leaving. So he left and he, uh, she, sh- um, fucking sued her button back into her skirt. And then they just had, like, this childish banter that I think is so cute. Like, I say that all the time, but, like, they're just, like, always back and forth. And it's really funny. It's also adorable because, like, you can tell they fucking are in love with each other. But they don't want to admit it because they're both bitches. Respectfully. I love them both. But anyways. So, um, she wants to practice the big uh, finale one more time. Because she's kind of scared, you know? Obviously, it's, like, her first time performing after, like, four months of practicing. Like, she just needs a little bit more just performing anxiety, you know? The huge. So, she's, like, trying to find them. And then she gets, like, flashbacks from before when he left. And then she was kind of, like, asking Tex where he went, but he couldn't find him either. So, it was kind of like he was hiding. Um, And then... 
turns out he was like sitting at in the in, empty theater alone and she's kind of like damn this man is fighting demons demons like he's going through a lot right now but she never asked because obviously you don't ask someone that's sitting alone in a dark theater how they're doing you know theater rules anyways back to present so she was looking for him and then she sees him like flirting with some girls instead of like practicing like she asked them to like 10 times so then she was like hey harry like you know your doctor just said you had gonorrhea all that um you know just to like get the girls away from him and get him away from the girls and then he's like huh just joking she's joking guys like please don't leave and then he kind of like goes away with her and he's like are you jealous and then she's like oh yeah i'm so jealous that you have to um take antibiotics to make your pee stop burning and then he's like, yeah, you bitch, get fucking laid. And she's like, get bent. So then he's like, okay, I know you're nervous. I see it. You literally embarrassed me for what? So I guess we'll just practice one more time. So then it cuts to the part where they're, like, really about to perform. And I stuck the little um, beginning of California Dreaming. I know my editing skills, amazing, talented, brilliant, exotic, all that. But so they dancing to California Dreaming at the beginning. They play three songs, but um, the author didn't include the other two songs um, in the name. So I'm not sure which songs they were, but I'm sure they were as good. Anyways, so they're just performing. Little, they're doing the little cute thing. Um, you heard the podcast, so you know what they did, obviously. Um, they're just doing the thing. And they're, like, so swiftly moving. They're, like doing it with such grace and like fluency that they're like bitch we know this like nobody's ever gonna come close as to how talented we are and so they finish their performance they bow and they make really eye like much eye contact during their performance and like it just kind of feels like during that performance like they just got so close in a way that words could have never like done it like that was like a turning point i feel like so whatever, they get off stage and they get back backstage and then they like go to their friends or whatever. Then Clyde goes like goes to change and stuff and like gets ready to leave. And then uh Harry's like, um, Clyde, can you go make yourself useful? And she's like, Um, I guess. So he throws her his wallet and then she finds a picture. And then she's like, What the fuck is going on? I thought this motherfucking hated me. So why fan behavior? Absolutely fan behavior. Don't you think so? I think so. But, you know. I think he knows. Do you think he knows? That she knows? It's kind of weird. He He's bold for that. Like, throwing it to the person that he has a picture of his wallet inside. Like, you know how nosy she is? Even if it didn't land open, she would probably open it men are stupid but anyways that was the chapter hope you enjoyed it i sure did i sure did bye